Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 242 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. For new beekeepers, the most important decision can be which hive type to use. With so many options out there, it can be quite confusing. Today, I give my views on some of the most popular... Beekeeping Short and Sweet, a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. Hi everyone, we're back again in the office at home as another stormy, wet and windy winter's day begins. It does look like we're heading into a period of colder conditions for us here in Norfolk, certainly. Overnight frosts are forecast in the coming week, which I guess shouldn't be any surprise to us really, as we are in the middle of winter now. I think the shock of that very cold spell in December, followed on by a relatively mild period, has lulled us into a sense of false hope that the worst of the winter and cold weather was over. The next couple of weeks look like staying in single figures for temperatures and, as I mentioned, frosts overnight. I know some of you will be wondering what all the fuss is as you'll be chest high in snow right now, but we don't normally see severe winters here in Norfolk or, in fact, the UK anymore. Just the occasional short, sharp shock, which pretty much none of us can cope with, as we experienced in December. I worry we will lose more nucleus colonies over the next six weeks or so until spring arrives. There were a few small colonies and I'm pretty sure the cold will kill some of them. We have to accept that we got caught by the wasps and it's just part of the process. We'll soon build back up again and here I think it's worth saying that despite losing so many nukes recently, I feel that because I'm fairly certain I know why it happened... I can put it down to experience and not worry too much about it. There is, of course, a financial hit, but at least those nukes weren't promised to customers. Now, that would have been a disaster. We do have a very small number of national and commercial colonies and nukes remaining, but those will be going to customers in the spring, and next week we wave goodbye to all of the national beekeeping equipment that I've accumulated over the years – It's all going to a good home, where it will be used for many years to come, I'm sure, and it will allow me to finally focus on just one type of hive, the Langstroth. And this is really my main focus today. It's really interesting how we each select the type of hive that we use. For me, I just took on the hive type that I was given when I started, and I suspect that that will be the case for the majority of people. I've been very lucky over the years to be able to experiment with most of the, I guess, most popular hive types, as well as one or two not so popular, such as the top bar hive. Selecting the right type of hive for your own beekeeping is one of those beginner beekeeper minefields that can't really be answered with a simple get this one type of recommendation. Although, having played around with most, I would now say get a Langstroth, and I'd be right and wrong all in one go. Ask around at any beekeeping association, here in the UK certainly, and the vast majority of beekeepers will be using the British Standard National. 
That alone is as good a reason as any for selecting this particular hive, but over the years I found it not quite perfect for every occasion, and actually in more recent times it's simply been too small for the colonies contained within, and we've had to use two brood boxes to house the ever-growing brood nest areas. As a beginner beekeeper, you'll want to have nice calm bees that don't swarm, and one of the ways to prevent swarming is to make sure that you give the queen plenty of room to lay her eggs and build her brood nest. Spring comes, you excitedly have your national hive all set up, the nucleus colony arrives, bursting out of its box, and within a month they may well have swarmed. Now obviously that's a worst case scenario and if you've done your homework you might be ready with another brood box. But when you first start beekeeping there seems so much to get to grips with that providing a productive queen with extra space might not be on your radar. So how about swapping to a 14 by 12 hive? If I were going to stick with the national hive I would probably swap everything to this sized brood body. Everything else is the same, the floors, the crown boards, the roofs, it's just that the brood box is deeper and provides a lot more room for the queen to lay her eggs. The only issue I had with the 14 by 12 brood box is that the frames seemed to go on forever. I found myself lifting the frames out of the box and lifting and lifting and lifting and they just seemed to be so much deeper, which is exactly what they're meant to be. If not the 14 by 12, then how about the commercial brood box? Again, you can continue to use the national equipment that you have, floors, crown boards, roofs and the like, because the brood box itself is the same footprint, but the box dimensions are such that the frame is wider because the lugs on the top bar are shorter. The brood nest area is so much bigger than the national, but manipulating the frames might be a little more tricky for some beekeepers. There are techniques you can use to make it a lot easier to hold them, but the combined weight of a full frame and the shorter lugs could make it a challenge for some people. When you compare the number of available cells in each brood box, it's quite obvious where the biggest differences lie. The National Brood Box has something around 50,000 worker cells in an 11 frame brood box. I know some people squeeze in a 12th frame, increasing capacity slightly, but that can also prove problematic when inspecting. A commercial brood box will hold upwards of 70,000 worker cells, again over 11 frames. And the same applies here to adding a 12th frame, and that's something that I've done on a regular basis. The 10-frame Langstroth brood box will provide around 61,000 worker cells, so you can see it's somewhere in between. The 14 by 12 is very similar to the commercial in terms of capacity, although I don't have the exact worker cell numbers to hand. Now some of those cells won't be available for the queen to lay in because of various reasons. Sometimes the corner of the wax foundation will be chewed away, more often than not, these same corners are where the colony chooses to develop drone cells. The top corners of most of the frames usually get a seam of honey and pollen to feed to the developing larvae further down the frame. And so you're looking at a possible loss of available cells of maybe as much as 
That can reduce the brood nest area in a national hive considerably, especially if you have a prolific colony, and the lack of space in the brood box is undoubtedly a trigger for swarming. So it's not an easy choice by any means, but having tried so many different hive types, I've thrown my cap into the ring. Obviously not the cap I got as a Christmas present, you understand, I'm talking about my metaphorical cap. Anyway, I've settled on the Langstroth hive, for better or worse. If you're just getting started, take lots of advice, check out all the details of each hive type, find one that you like the look of and go with it. If it's right for you, then it's not wrong, even if it's not a Langstroth. One thing I can say for certain is I won't have any more dramas at our apiaries asking Steph for a Langstroth Queen Excluder, only to be told we only have a National Queen Excluder on board. It's the little things that wind you up when it's hot and sweaty in the middle of summer, and I'll be glad we won't have to worry about that happening ever again. You'll probably have heard of the news that Simon the Beekeeper is to cease trading later in the spring. From what I gather, Simon is going to retire and enjoy his own bees, animals and family. Simon has posted his reasons in a short video on YouTube should you want to hear more. We've had a great working relationship with Simon and his team for some time now, collaborating with Equipment Trials and their sponsorship of this podcast. I wish everyone at Simon the Beekeeper all the very best for the future in whatever they plan. In other news, and thinking back about the weather right now, we've seen a wide range of plants in flower this past week or so. We were chatting on our Patreon Coaching Plus group at our monthly meeting last week and commenting on the various plants in flower, one of which I totally forgot to mention, which is our native hazel. And there's heaps of it in flower right now, and the bees have certainly been collecting it. The trees and bushes are easy to spot, because they have a very pale yellow appearance from a distance, and as you get closer, you can see the catkins hanging down. I posted a couple of pictures on the Patreon page to show what we were looking at. It is a little early, I would say, compared to some years. There are always a few early hazel plants that seem to flower very early, but I've seen a lot more this year, particularly, as I say, in the past week or so. We've also seen snowdrops in flower, and again, those seem a little early. Not many, it has to be said, but they are out there and our bees will find them if they get a reasonably mild day to go out and look. I wonder if perhaps the very cold period we had in December has fooled the plants into thinking that they've had their winter, the Christmas and New Year milder spell perhaps triggering the sudden growth and flowering process. It's welcome for the bees, but the cold weather forecast for the next week or two will shut things down again pretty quickly. It is a potentially dangerous time for our colonies, particularly the smaller ones. If they have any brood, it will be essential that they keep it warm, and that can lead to them not moving away from the hot spot in the hive, causing them to be isolated away from any food they have. It's a good time to pop the crown board and see where the bees are in relation to their food and check the size of the cluster and if in any doubt a little fondant won't do them any harm at all. If they're small in size I would suggest adding an eek and placing the fondant directly onto the top bars of the frames above the cluster. 
If it's a larger colony, then perhaps place the block of fondant on top of the crime board above the cluster using the porter B escape holes that you'll find pre-cut into the majority of crime boards on most national sized hives. The larger colonies will easily move up and onto the fondant. In other news, I've almost completed the repair on my Appy Melter. I'm really pleased with the way it's turned out. It has taken quite a while to get sorted and probably the worst part was trying to clean off the old adhesive from the broken heater matrix. A combination of chewing gum remover, isopropyl alcohol and elbow grease eventually got it completely removed. The trickiest part was sticking the new matrix to the stainless steel base as the adhesive was very keen to stick and not give me a second chance. Eventually, I discovered the best method was to get it square to the base and working from one corner, peel part of the backing paper away and stick the matrix to the base. Then gradually, and trying to keep as many air bubbles out as possible, work diagonally across and down. I used a small plastic dough scraper as a paddle to smooth out any bubbles and thought I'd done a pretty good job. That was until I had it wired up again and turned on the heat to test it. Air bubbles started popping up everywhere where previously there were none. As soon as a little bit of warmth hits the air that's trapped behind the plastic sheet, it expands and you soon see where you've messed up. I resorted to popping the air bubbles and smoothing them back down, and that seemed to work pretty well. All in all, I'm happy with the finish, and rewiring the matrix was as simple as taking a picture of the old setup, removing the old wires, and refitting the new ones following the picture that I'd taken. I can't believe how quickly I had confused what I was looking at without looking at that picture. Thank goodness for mobile phones. The final part of the project is to buy some insulation to replace the old mouldy stuff. From what I can tell, it's called Rockwool Acoustic RWA45, just in case you're interested. It's a kind of compressed loft insulation, and from looking online, this Rockwool stuff seems to be the closest match, and it's non-flammable, which is reassuring to say the least. Of course, it only comes in a pack of four slabs and costs a small fortune, but with maybe all of these DIY repair and building projects, such as the warming cabinet I've currently got going, I may well venture into making something else myself from scratch. And finally, I had an email from our beekeeping association to say that the BBKA, that's the British Beekeepers Association, is hosting an Asian Hornet conference. I checked out their website earlier, and they say the conference will look at several different aspects relating to the science surrounding Asian hornets. There will be a summary of some of the work done in part of the Atlantic Positive Project, a short introduction to the Asian hornet life history, details of developments surrounding possible deterrence, detection and protection within apiaries, and an update on the situation in Europe. There is no charge for the conference, but they would welcome a donation to one of their appeals, Save the Bees, or Apiary and Education. To book a place for this Zoom conference, head over to the BBKA website and simply order a ticket. You'll then be sent a webinar registration link, and I'll post a link in the podcast notes for you all. 
Well, it's time for me to pop to the unit to label some honey. Then I'm off to see Pete to get some help making my warming cabinet door. It's an exciting life, isn't it? Never dull, and you never know what you'll be up to from one week to the next. I'll catch up with you all again in a week's time. Don't forget to check out my website, www.norfolk-honey.co.uk. And for my latest videos and podcasts with more updates, tips and techniques, it's the same Patreon page, www.patreon.com forward slash Norfolk Honey. And remember, I'm Stuart Spinks, and that was Beekeeping. Short and sweet.